Hello, everyone. This is Brian Wollers with another episode from Try Catch. Today, we're going to be talking with Dennis Curlin, the leader of applications development, about product discovery and what some of the changes might look like as our teams start to move from a project mindset to a product or product discovery mindset. Let's listen in. Currently, I'm with Dennis Curlin. I'm Brian Woolers. We're going to talk just a little bit today about product management, what that might mean to Farm Credit Services of America as we get going. And Sounds fun. Let's see what comes out of it. Yeah. So Dennis, recently we've been talking more about product management, and some of that comes from our business owners just having a different view into the work that they need to be lining up for our teams. Tell me a little bit about how all of this started and what you remember of us starting down this path. I think of this as being an extremely natural progression from the work that we've been doing over the years. And it's the direction that our experience has pointed us to, accelerated by the fact that in the industry, there's a whole discipline that's grown around this by people discovering the same type of things. And the the idea of it, just that's very central and just seems like really compelling, is, is that a lot of times we think of things that we want to go do. And so as they rise to development, it's already a decision made out of a lot of factors somebody's thought of, and now it's like, go make this thing. And then ultimately the idea of going making that thing is it's going to have this effect. The idea of talking about product is making that more holistic. It's exposing the thought that led to go do this thing. So instead of go make it, it's more of, I want to go capture market share. And this is an idea I had to go do it. Product thinking gets to, I want to capture market share. I would be willing to make a bet and an investment to go get that. And I will take a lot of really smart people and let them team together to go achieve that and come back after a budgeted amount of time to tell us how much they achieved. So, and then it creates the idea that I'll look at what did we achieve afterwards. So I'd like to get market share and a team works with that. And they went and they found a new way to capture 1%. That's an enormous win for us. And and what it enables then is it enables the team then to work in response to the market and in response to the customer that we wish to serve in order to achieve it. So if the first idea that they came up with or like the first idea of that project turned out that it didn't work, then what they're doing is they're adapting and on the fly to what would be more meaningful. And so it gives us a lot quicker opportunity to get the right thing to a customer who needs anything, a problem solved or value in the market. Yep. So, so I hear one of the things that I'd say that like today we're focused on is a lot about output, right? It's the, I've got this thing that I need to build and I'm going to go build it. It's going to take me however long, like naturally that happens. What you're talking about is it's less about the output, not that that still doesn't happen, but it is about figuring out what outcome I want to get to. I definitely agree with that. Much more about the outcome than the output of finishing a particular project. I'd probably spar with a little bit of how you introduce sure. that in terms of we, at our best, we're still right now continuously in the process looking out to sample how would people respond to the project in flight. And we'd often abort something or even decided it needed more if what we were learning along the way you know, needed to be addressed. Right. This is just expanding what we could do with our learning. So usually that learning causes us to abort or extend or do whatever we would for the project as described. Getting back to what you said at the end of that, yeah, that the outcome, the outcome that we would have of a percentage change in 
customer engagement or loyalty is so much more powerful than the fact that we added texting, <laughs> right? So, exactly, yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, I think some of the things that I think about is the way we do our projects today come from very much a, a solutions in mind. And yeah. it is the intent is to go create that solution. Yeah. There tends to be less learning in the overall process versus product pushes us more towards the idea of we know what our outcome is. We have an idea of what possible solutions might be. Now, how do we go yep. learn and incorporate that learning during the scope of the project versus yep. ah, scope's done. We'll figure out if we need more later. Yeah. Yeah. In a battlefield analogy, maybe it's moving from saying to teams, go take that hill and starting to say, let's go win this battle. Right. And then if you kept taking that analogy up into the overall way that we look at things in the organization, ultimately we're all trying to win the war or achieve world peace or whatever it may be that these things live with. And, but it's, it's definitely changing from take that hill or go jump in that trench to let's go win this battle yep. and please do everything it takes to achieve it. So when we talk about that, when we talk about looking at and understanding the overall battle in this case, what skills do you see might need to change within our teams or what ways might we need to be looking at things differently to help be effective in that, in the different way that we would at least initiate a project, right? Yeah, it's probably throughout the duration of it. I, I think of these as things that are, again, they're amplifiers or they're extensions of work that we do, but I think we probably have to renew and deepen our commitment to some of the activities that we see as important. And one of the most key ones is that this is all all tied to human-centered design. And human-centered design or human-centered solutioning, if we took it all the way through, mm -hmm. is oriented to getting outside of ourselves and getting to the person to who we want to solve for. The measurements like that we talked about are about ways that we would know that we were achieving that solution, right? But to do that well as a team, it means that we have to make a practice ongoing of getting back to that person that we want to solve for. And so to do that, you know, Brian, you've given the example of how that in learning a practice of even conducting one interview a week, right. it's, it's an enormous uh, change as far as perspective and it, it enables continual learning. And so in our teams, we have to make a decision to honor that time is probably one of the most valuable ways to hone our features. And so making time to get with the user, honestly, I think make it also then once making the time is getting comfortable with our own skills to sit down and have an interview yep. and then to talk with them and to get comfortable in doing observation and, and learn how to, you know, really team around doing that in a way that lets us get the insights from a, a user. I think that's one of the biggest ones. Yeah. I would agree. I, th I think I'll just go back to the learning that Team McKnight's done recently with Teresa uh, Torres, just it's the idea we talk to our customers, we learn something. We have no agenda necessarily in talking with our customers, at least at the start, because mm -hmm. we want to hear their story, right? Mm -hmm. Hear the things that they're doing, they're doing well, or places that they're having a challenge and then figure it out. The piece that I haven't quite figured out in this whole discussion is then how do I go back and measure that? Mm -hmm. right? I mean, I think we're trying to vet out those assumptions so that we know that whatever we're about to create or we have created is the right thing. I and mean, it gets to the outcome that we need. And I think that's the piece that in addition to just making the time to be with our customers, there's also some piece that mechanically goes in the background of, well, now how do I get some data to actually show mm -hmm. what my gut is telling me from that discussion? 
Yeah, and the fact of it is, is that's extra work, right? It is. Everything you just described is we have to build the scoreboard and decide the elements that belong on it and then choose to light it up (laughs) and and actually, you know, like increase the score or decrease it as we go through our work. And, And it takes work to do that. But the value of that can be is then that is what we can ideate against. And so the next ideas for stories that we develop in the team should be oriented on based on the scoreboard of this game. If we're not winning, what what new tactics do we want to try? Exactly. One of the things I ran into, so I would put us in a learning mode related to product. And I Mm -hmm. think in applications development, we're learning. I think in our business and our community, there's a lot of learning going on in strategy and innovation and capacity and execution. Those are at least four of the teams that are doing learning about it. You mentioned one of the bodies of knowledge that we've gotten into, which is Teresa Torres, who's a nationwide or worldwide product coach, and she engages in what she calls product discovery. Mm-hmm. You don't know what you're making, but you are going to discover it along the way. It's just an acknowledgement to reality. And then the other one is, is that there's another group that's uh, called Product Talk, and uh, Product Institute has run that. And they have like an online training class that we've engaged in all about learning. That was a long way to get to. One of the things I think that's cool about doing the work about what do you want to measure by is one of the frameworks is goal signal metric. It's a way that you can move through and ideate what would be valuable. So I have a goal to increase customer loyalty. I have a goal to increase employee engagement. Mm-hmm. A signal that would achieve that would be you can freely ideate what it would be. And then for those signals, here's a way I would measure them. And so like a lot of other things we've encountered, that's an example of there are tools that people have found that help to make the work a little bit easier mm-hmm. um, to get to the process of building the scoreboard. And yeah. I think that is work we're going to have to do. Yeah, I think that's great. One of the things I know just as we've gone through the coaching seemed like as I listened to what you were sharing, there's a piece of, well, yeah, so now I do have to build it and I have to figure out what that goal is and I have to watch for that signal. It frequently feels like that's a long process. Or at least looking at it, I'd go, wow, okay, that's going to take some time. Right. I know that in our discussions, it very naturally from Teresa was just a quick, you guys are digging too deep into this. Like you can go have five conversations and have an idea if you're on the right track. You also have an idea if you're way off, mm-hmm. right? If that signal's not the right thing to be watching for or whatever. And so I think there's another piece that we just have to free our mind that everything has to be perfect mm. to be able to be measured and it doesn't yeah. a lot of times that we'll we'll get a long way just by taking that first step and i so, really like that the idea of like what we're working for is to make sure we're directionally correct not necessarily that the bullet has to hit the center of the target but that it's going the right direction right. in this case yeah so, you asked about things that we would have to develop or change to and the other one that's on my mind is i think in applications development i think it's our responsibility to do our very best to unburden our business owners of the things that aren't about looking at the metric and talking to the mm-hmm. user and looking to the market. And so um, our business owners cover a range of things and because they are immersed with us, and at times as they rally into projects right now, we're using some of that time that they would have to get deeper on testing or to do activities that otherwise, even some of the user research that would be related to finding out if a feature was in creation worked, sometimes they're conducting that where our teams can take that on. And when I think related to product about that, what I, I think about us doing is the more that we take on that share of the work, the more we are freeing 
our business owners then to engage in looking out to the market and returning with what's what are the next things that we should ideate through and mm-hmm. work to change. I think that's one of the things that we can really do. One of them we've kicked around a little bit is there's an expression of acceptance testing, right? And acceptance testing is something that I think has a lot of different definitions of, and we'll have to work our way to the best definition of it. But for the purpose of our business owners, I think what we want to invite them into is to do acceptance, but not to do it just freely, but really to see a product and have had the team taking the responsibility to share enough about all the things that will be done to guarantee the quality of that so that if they see it and it works well, that they can trust that that's sufficient and that they can grant acceptance to it. And then it eliminates some of the time that they may spend by doing duplicative efforts for things that the team otherwise has done or at least should do. And again, it can unburden them. So I think that all the testing that relates to a business owner being able to say, I would want to take that to market, I think our app dev teams have to choose to take on. Anyhow, that's my thought of that. And uh, I know that it's a good discussion we're having on the team to understand entirely what those words mean to us. Mm-hmm. But the more that we can, again, free the time of the business owner, then the more strength we get in the product thinking. And our development teams have such a range of things that are done in order to assure quality from all the structural aspects of the architecture to all the testing about that functionally, as well as all the things that we can do to test feature by feature in experience design mm-hmm. for that user that we can bring back a quality of product that the analogy that I've heard in the team, I remember Nate Ryan as originating it is, is it should be like if you want to buy a car and you're, you're the business owner, you're the person buying. And so you show up at the dealership and in the showroom, you pick out the one that you like and you say, I want to drive that one. And you bet, you get in that and you drive that thing around and you make sure that it feels right and it met the intent of what you wanted. But your trust is is that you came to that brand and to get that vehicle because you knew all the things that were done to test the quality of every component. Exactly. And so uh, I think it's a good analogy for thinking through the way that we can make sure to unburden our business owners is to just make sure that the car is perfect so that when the ride feels right, they can say, release that. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. So I think there is a shift there that we need that we can carry out some of our automation to do some of those things and help our business owners, right? So that they free up time. The other thing that I, I wonder about though, is that there's some work that I think all of our teammates need to do to get good at discovery as well. Yeah. Like this isn't a singular process where it is just our business owner is going to continue to come to us and say, Hey, I think I have this assumption or I'd love to know about this feature. Yeah. I, I, my, my hope is that our team gets to do that as well and that they get to kind of go along for the ride and get closer to our users or our customers and develop some new skills as far as watching for discovery too. I think you're so right on because I think our business owners or product owners, as we continue to make the shift are, are most looking at the market and the, Again, the more that we can look at who are competitors that are entering, what are customers' trends, and uh, allow the product owners to really focus on and marinate in that, then the stronger like the, the market measures that we're trying to achieve get. And to, in order to do that, it takes the whole team engaging with the people who will use it and to understand their interaction and uh, to take on that piece of the work. And we were talking earlier about some of the work teams need to do, and mm-hmm. it takes time to set aside to do that. And when we make the choice to set aside the time, I think it's it's more than just saying a couple of people on this team will go do it. The things that really anchor our ability as people 
to be in the shoes of somebody else or actually to have seen it played out. And so most of the time, it's almost all the team that has to go along right. for some of those very key events and understanding what a user thinks. Yeah, I would agree. I, I'm, my hope is that we can, whether it's everybody goes along or at least you rotate a couple people from the team through an interview each week or whatever. Yeah. My hope is a long time ago, it seems like we did our work to with customer empathy and doing our customer journey maps and whatever. It was an opportunity for us as app devers to get closer to a customer. This is the true when we talk about the customer and we talk about you know, Joe the farmer, like Joe's a real person because you sat down and talked with him. Mm -hmm. And I just think it'll be really neat for our teams to have that opportunity and, and hear straight from our customer's mouth what's on their mind and what they like and don't like or need or don't need. Yep. And in each of these things, um, we could all freely imagine that at some points in time for the team, it's more important for everybody to be in to anchor all of our perspectives. So we're getting ready to start a new product. We're all going to go out and do this. And we're going to design a way to really get close to the customer to make it really meaningful. With that established, then it makes sense too that later on activities, just like you said, like, well, we're going to make a habit of we're not going to lose our freshness on that. So every week, two or three people will take on doing an interview and they'll report back, you know, as they do that. Right. And then uh, periodically, we're going to do interaction studies, either led by our UX team or by the team here that's working with things to understand how well the thing we've just created actually works. Yeah, it makes sense to me that you would make a lot of choices in the team about who is best to apply to things at different times yep. based on your need to develop a conscious together, maybe based on certain roles that needed to more closely understand someone, maybe based on who's best at an interview, or maybe based on who most wants to learn how to do it. And kind of the same practices that apply to other things, like pairing for something that is new or novel, pairing's a great thing. And so I think some of those habits that we have that are related to developing software with craftsmanship will likely apply to doing user interviews well to understand them well. Yeah. So let me take you back to earlier in the discussion. We talked about having the opportunity to figure out what an outcome was, go actually put some metrics around it or do something to learn whether we're meeting that. With all that, failure is going to come about. What do you tell the team? How do they prepare for that? And we've frequently been so focused on getting things done. There might be a few days or a week of work that we end up throwing away. What do you say to the team when you think about that? I think you have to expect it to be part of what we're doing. And I think the, the more that we can get accustomed to that, just the more comfortable we'll be. I do think we got to expect that there's some ways to get to the reward. I mean, it's, uh, it's a little bit like building paper airplanes. You know, if you ever had a race with somebody else in your class as a kid to see who could throw it the furthest, um, you tried a few different models. And in the end, you actually maybe even had the best one and still made a couple more models because you had something you were curious about. And you ended up tossing them all at different points of time. And some of them you threw out. That's fine. And even if you had had the best model early on and then you later tested two more, were those two more waste? I don't, I don't think so because I, I think they helped you close the door to recognize this isn't the thing that's valuable. So yeah. One of the early things that we got in product discovery is Teresa Torres working with our appraisal teams. We were looking at a pretty large body of work and pretty large, I mean, three months We've sure. definitely dealt with bigger, but in exploring that and looking at data, the team got into some of the work and could see early that that was not going to create the impact that was desired. And so, yeah, the 
two weeks worth of work or waste. We save three months worth of work. It's a win, you know. Yeah, and I think that's great. And that's the thing that I think we need to remember as we're going through this is there will be times, but in the end, we found out that it was something that our customer or user didn't want. So it was a big win. Yep. And it might have been a little bit of work to find that out. Yep. It's no different than discovery that maybe a business owner did before they even got to us as a project. It's just now it's more transparent to us as we go through it, right? Yeah. And, yeah. and we're a part of it. Yeah, the whole conversation made me think of too is we've had a ton of success in this organization in creating and introducing things to market and doing a way that was valuable to customers. So none of talking about product is diminishing the success that's been had, right? However, like exactly. as we get to metrics, it gets a way to understanding how big or small was that success. And what it means is right now we, we think we're pretty good. In the future, we'll know. <laughs> And uh, that's, I think, what the product components gives us. We think this is a really good idea, but choosing to see the actual outcome of it will let us know. And really knowing all it leads to is being able to learn what you may do the next time. And so all those cases where, yeah, gang, if you're writing something and it turns out that it didn't work, we just learned something. <laughs> Let's uh, keep moving. Yeah. Put your head down, keep running to the end zone. Yep. Failure doesn't define us, right? It helps us figure out what's next. As long as you make a choice to get up and keep moving again. <laughs> right. <laughs> Otherwise, it leveled you and defined you. <laughs> I don't know that at this point I have any more questions or thoughts. Any last like shot across the bow that you're thinking about that you wanted to share that our questions didn't get to? One of the ideas that I've been thinking about a lot is I, I think it gets back to that macro thing of uh, the battlefront, win the battle, win the war, mm -hmm. get world peace, right? I think it's interesting for us outside of AppDev that organizationally we may end up as something that tied to our strategic directions. We start to say, what are the measures that support those? You could see a good amount of those right now if you went out to look at our market measures. I think if you went to the strategic framework homepage on the right-hand side, you'd see some of our measures. But choosing a favorite four or five of those, I think could be really valuable for us. And I think it's something we'll explore. I put it on the analogy of we all invest money like into 401ks or just into our life. And, mm -hmm. but if I, I've said, I'm here in my life and I want to end up over here five years from now, for most people, if I asked them that, they'd break that down into a few goals and they'd say, I want to retire. If I have kids, I want my kids to have whatever college education. I want something for my legacy that I'm doing other parts of my life. And then probably somewhere in there, they'd say, oh, and I have this certain footprint that I've set up based on the size of my life right now. Mm -hmm. You know, I have this house, I have to pay the electrical bill. I'd like that sports suite from Cox or whatever it may be. <laughs> but at any rate, so we all have that. But then also, if I, if I said to somebody, well, five years from now, I can't guarantee you'll have all those goals. So you need to make some choices of where you invest. People will rearrange those. And I've heard people mm -hmm. take like that set and rearrange them. However, if you took the first two things that I said, you know, of I'd like to retire and I'd like my kids to go to college. Some people would say, hey, to guarantee that for what I can put away, I will put 40% of what I could put away toward my kids, 20% to my retirement on down the line. Other people might juxtapose it differently. Right. So surfacing a few of those favorite areas of things as an organization for us of, hey, we need market share. We want customer engagement, employee engagement, profitability. There's a lot of different ways we mm -hmm. could ultimately articulate that. And then saying, but we also have an economic footprint that's the size of our existence right now. Gives us a chance to say, here is where we would invest kind of at a macro level of product so that other product ideas might fit within those. And if we can arrive at that, I think it 
it could be valuable toward influencing the way we may prioritize or make choices, you know, along the way. Not just like an investment portfolio too. I might say that when Claire and I, my wife and I sit down and talk about the year ahead, here's where we're going to budget or invest. And we might get to March and usually we've blown like the direction we were going to go with that. But the idea of it is, is we set a foreshadow we were acting on, right? And then whatever we did in between was based on what the reality was we encountered. But coming back to this lets us both look at were those measurements right or was that budget right? As well as, well, do we want to true up the rest of the time we have in order to reallocate that? Or if you have, you know, a 401k, you know that it automatically rebalances sometimes, mm-hmm. but it's kind of based on that idea. So that's a little bit of outside of app dev, but I think it's an interesting idea the product leads to is sort of a, a budget-based approach to where do we want to make investments. Yeah. And I would say it actually probably might go that it's not outside of app dev. I mean, we'll be making those investments and thoughts in every one of the outcomes or things that we do. It's, it will become a learning that we'll have to figure out better as we go through this, right? That would be my guess. Could be wrong, but we'll find out as we get into it. Yeah, and technology is always just one of the ways you can solve for things. So I hope that we're anchored in those kind of macro measurements as well as every other teammate, right? Technology is just one of the ways to solve. It's amazing how many things still are very possible to achieve just by a strong email. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Well, Dennis, I'd like to say thanks for spending some time with us and talking about product management. I really appreciate it. As we're going through this podcasting experience, it's fun to get the opportunity to talk and hear some thoughts about new ways that we're going. I really appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, thanks a lot. I hope I can stop back after we've all learned more together on this front. Sounds great. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks, everyone, for listening in on that podcast with Dennis. As we look forward into our product discovery and how we move from projects I'd ask you to think a little bit about the outcomes that you're looking for, not necessarily the output. Dennis talked a little bit about that. Really, in this new model, we're looking for a way to watch for the outcomes and figure out ways that we can measure or experiment about getting better outcomes as we create our products. So look for opportunities to set some outcomes on your team. See which ones you hit. Learn from the ones you don't. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Have a great day.